0: I, I feel like I need to introduce myself. My name is Ronnie Roberts. I'm the minister at First Christian Church. Uh, it's, been, it's been a few weeks. Uh, actually, uh, uh, over the past four weeks uh, Eric and Matthew and then last week Kevin uh, has filled the pulpit and that wasn't exactly planned so that Ronnie could take four weeks and, and wouldn't have to worry about preaching. That was actually when we laid out this series I asked both Eric and, and Matthew what, where their heart was drawn to, and, and uh, Eric chose and did a great job with speaking about the Holy Spirit and, and his guidance in our life, those who are alive in Christ. Uh, and, and Matthew did a great job with uh, sin and, and sanctification, specifically focusing on what it means that we are sanctified. And then last week, Kevin uh, still, still smiling about Kevin having his first opportunity to preach, and I, Kevin's not here today. Uh, some, some girl I think affects that every once in a while, uh, who who, who uh, goes to church in Garden City, Kansas. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, I I am so thankful for you all because I I continue to hear good things and an excitement over Kevin. A young man who had his first opportunity preaching, I kind of feel like just to resemble that, I ought to do a lot of this uh, throughout the sermon. He, he, was, he was just that, the only indication I, I felt like he was nervous, but other than that, uh, uh, what, a, what a good message for his first sermon. And, and so I'm excited about him. I hope you continue to pray each of these guys, uh, each of these guys up, who, who love God, who are pursuing the word and uh, uh, just growing. Uh, I am especially excited to see, see them growing, and yay, yay, yeah, yeah. But I get an opportunity again today, and I need to let you know that next Sunday, next Sunday, Ty Zimmerman's going to be here. And again, that's just the way it worked out. We've been, we've been looking forward to an opportunity for Ty to, to, to preach, uh, tell you a little bit about Ty. Ty uh, will grew up here in the community uh, played football, was part of the Kansas championship team. I think oh, like 2009, wasn't it? 2010 state. What did I say? Oh, Junk- yeah, Junction City champions amongst all the high schools here. Uh, uh, the the Kansas State championship is that what I said? Okay. Um, anyway, uh, and and uh, so he was quarterback for that team. Played K State for four years. And the greatest thing about Ty Zimmerman is he has come to know the Lord, and he is absolutely excited about him. And, and today he's affecting our high school and Manhattan High School and other schools, uh, especially in that athletic area. He works for uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And, and that gospel message is, is really being orchestrated into, into some young people uh, because of his work. Therefore, we've been wanting to have him come and speak specifically to us, about evangelism, which fits into the theme that we've been talking about here at the beginning of this, uh, this fall. Let me remind you, it is uh, life after death, uh, that, that paradox, life after death, which it really isn't a paradox when you look at the scripture, it answers that paradox, I should say, in, in, the, in Romans, where it says, uh, uh, we, we're no longer dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. So what we're talking about in this whole series of what life looks like now, living and and living living on behalf of Jesus, living through Jesus, it is a new life, right? No longer living in sinfulness and connected to this world, but living in Christ. Uh, matter of fact, my my uh, topic today that I was given as we put this together is also uh, a could could be. Uh, classified as a paradox. Uh, the phrase that we had is that this we as believers are in the world but not of the world. Are you familiar with that? In the world but not of the world. And that ident- identifies you and I. Um, the, the passage specifically where this idea originated uh, was from the words of Jesus. In John chapter 17, we could have gone to some other passages. Peter, which I'll Uh, refer to later, also has that same idea. But John chapter 17, we go ahead and turn there, uh, and and I tell you what, the whole chapter 17 is Jesus' prayer over his disciples at at the Last Supper. Now John covers more than anyone else when it comes to to some of the things that were said or the things that were said uh, uh, by Jesus, uh, chapter 13 through 17, all the five of those chapters were dedicated to what Jesus said uh, at, the, at the Last Supper. In chapter 17, the whole of chapter 17 is Jesus' prayer before God on behalf of his disciples. For this reason, he, he says, I'm about to leave. I'm about to leave. He, he, is, he is ready. He knows he's going to be arrested. He knows he's going to be crucified, resurrected. He knows he's going to return and spend time but ultimately, he is leaving this world and leaving behind these disciples. So a good portion of this prayer is on behalf of his disciples. We're going to pick up at verse 13 and, and read through 17 or through 19. I, I want to encourage you that if you have time this afternoon to lay this week, read all of chapter 17 with that in mind. Jesus is praying up his disciples. Beginning verse 13. Jesus says, and, and again, it's his prayer. He's directing this before God. He says, I am coming to you now. Father, I'm coming to you. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have full the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. As, as Jesus is speaking, this truth just really rings out in, in this passage, the one we want to focus upon, and that is this fact that in Jesus Christ, we no longer belong to this world. Those of us who are in Christ, the world is not our home. We'll put it that way. The world's not my home. I'm just a passenger. Have you ever familiar with the song? I won't sing it. I'll save you the suffering. But anyway, uh, we don't belong to this world anymore. And and Through this passage, I I just want to especially bring up the facts that that focuses in on that. This world is not our home. And I want to start here. Number one, in Christ, we are separated from this world. We are separated from the world. Just to go back to the passage in verse 14 and 16, they're pretty identical in what they say. 14 says, for they, speaking about the disciples, talking about his apostles and I believe all his disciples, those that he's connected with. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. 16 repeats the same thing. For they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Uh, One one thing's for sure, and, and we need to identify, is that Jesus is not of this world. He existed well before he was born to Mary. Matter of fact, John chapter 1 makes it very clear that he existed in the very beginning uh, matter of fact, John says in, in chapter two, uh, verse two of that passage, that he he uh, also had his hand, or he was very much part of all making all things, creating all things. He was there in the beginning. Philippians chapter two comes along and tells us that that when he came into this world, when he came into this world, he uh, uh, left the splendor of glory, uh, and glory of heaven. All the glory that he was surrounded by in order to, and humbled himself and became just like you and I. Fle- came into the flesh. So, so Jesus existed before, and, and God sent him into this world on a mission, correct? He, they sent Jesus, or God sent him into this world for a mission, and that mission was to bring light in the world. And that's really how we have an understanding of what it means that we don't belong to this world. Or that we don't belong in this world. And, and it's the fact that, that John especially brings up light and darkness. He refers to the world as, as being darkness. And, and that when Jesus entered into the world, he was light. It refers to that in chapter 1, but also chapter 3. Let me, let me read chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, or at least portion of that. Jesus said, this is the verdict, this is the outcome. Of all things, Uh, he says, Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Darkness, described by the world, you know, that's the world around us. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. This world is described uh, by John in, in, in several places as being darkness. Now, how's that darkness? Well, it wasn't created to be darkness, was it? But in the introduction through humanity of sinfulness and rebellion and a continued ignoring of God, oh yeah, it d- doesn't exist, it, is, it has become darkness. And that darkness could be evident in all the things that are false about it. False loves, false, false uh, uh, ver- uh, values, false values. False loves and values. Thinking about uh, in in Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, he said people are lovers of themselves and lovers of money. This is where we put values. Our values are set upon ourselves and and whatever feels right and whatever pursuits, what we want to do, what we think is right, that's the pursuit we have. Lovers of ourselves and and the pursuers of of greedy things. And that's the world around us. It's also uh, a false knowledge. You know, the continued I- ignoring that God exists, that he's creator of all things. And giving him credit for that. That's glory to God to say, God, we praise you for every new day. And for your creation, which is, and, and, and thank you, even as David said, you know, I am beautiful, uh, wonderfully, beautifully, wonderfully, and, and well, however he said it. Uh, <laughs> but but he, was, he was praising God in the way he was created, how he's knitted together. And, and so he valued that. He valued creation. And, and we have that opportunity because we know God. But the world around us, no, you know, bang, and the world became into existence. And so ignoring, ignoring the truths of life, even to the point of saying, hey, there's more than two genders, uh, or, or going to the place of marriage, that that's, uh, could be whoever wants to get married. Uh, man and man, women and women. You know, we there. There's so just some things that are so blatantly put out, and it all was all established in creation. You see, where where we begin to deny those things, each time uh, the the world is denying God's creation, the the beauty of it, the structure of it, the order of it. Uh, and so the world is filled with darkness. So Jesus came into that world. And he is represented as that light that comes into the darkness. And, and uh, when he entered this world, he also, part of his mission is to give those who believe in him and, and who understand the Father the opportunity to receive and to live that light. Matthew talked about being sanctified, that's why Jesus came. Ultimately, in verse 19, it says, For them I sanctify myself. How does Jesus do that but offer himself as a sacrifice? Uh, To be in obedience to God. He didn't need to be sanctified. He lived that perfect life. But he, he said, I sanctify myself for them in order that they too may truly be sanctified. It's through his blood that his disciples, that those who follow after him, are cleansed and then set aside for his purpose. That's us, isn't it? That's us as well, because even Peter comes along and calls us, identifies us as aliens and strangers in this world. Uh, We don't belong here either, not just his disciples at the time that he was speaking. Matter of fact, verse 20 comes along and says, not only these that he was praying for at the current time, but for also those who will believe and receive this gospel message. And we're included in that. Those of us who receive and understand that Jesus is the Savior. And through his blood, we could be cleansed and sanctified. So through that, we're no longer part of this dark world in all of its false loves and false values and false knowledge. We're part of the light where there is true love, true values, and and, and true knowledge about him and and his life. Through Jesus, we no longer are part of this darkness, and, and we are living according to his light. The second truth I want to see in this passage we just read is found in verse 14 as well. and there it says, Because I've given, them, uh, I've given them your word, the world has hated them. Because they're not part of this world anymore. They're part of this light which repels. Now Jesus, it says, even as I am hated. Jesus was definitely hated in this world. I mean, we went through uh, passages over and over again where we see, uh, that 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 people rejected him. You know, obviously the religious leaders at the time rejected Jesus. This during this week, we especially know how they brought him up to bring him before trial. They hated Jesus. They wanted to do away with Jesus, and they had him killed. Jesus earlier said, "Hey, just as the world has hated me, it's going to hate you." And, and and why? Well, because those who believe in Jesus. Those who follow after Jesus also bear that light of Jesus. Are you with me? We're, we're bearing his righteousness. We're bearing his, uh, his, his love and his mercy and, and living a life of holiness. That's our pursuit. And so the more we shine, guess what happens? The more that we could be hated. Now, I want, I think there's some, some warnings we need to lay out to be very clear about this. Being hated is not our objective as as Christ followers. You know, hey, let's go out and be hated out there. It's never been our objective. It's it's not our purpose is to go out and be hated by the world. It is a consequence of living for Jesus. And anybody who wants to be a disciple of Christ knows that. Hey, listen, if you're going to follow after Jesus, there will be trouble. There are going to be people who will reject you uh, you know, treat you poorly, uh, even persecute you in this world. Do you still want to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, obviously, it rocked the world of these, these men, the apostles of Jesus, because they went on to shine that light of Jesus. There's another important warning that, that I want to share with you, and it's this. That, that as we're shining the light, we are not shining our own light. We're not shining our own self-righteousness in this world. That's not what uh, we're doing. Matter of fact, the difference between shining our own light and shining the light of Jesus is is just, to me, it's just one word. It's humility. There's a humility that exists within a believer that says, you know, that I'm going out into the world to tell sinners about Jesus. and, And as I'm doing that, I want to acknowledge the fact that I, too, am a sinner and I've been able to find grace and mercy through Jesus. And I want to share it with others. There's a humility in knowing that the righteousness that I live according to. It, it, it's loving his righteousness. It's pursuing his righteousness. That means not being the roach that runs when light is shined upon it. Isn't that what roaches do? You know, turn the lights on, psh, they're gone. Why do we never see them? Because they don't like the light. Hey, let's admit it. In this world, we've all been roaches. You with me? Anybody want to acknowledge, no, I've never been a roach. <laughs> no, okay, maybe, okay. Figuratively, okay. That, that idea that I don't want my sin identified. I, I, don't want to, I don't want my sin to be brought out in front of everybody. Or I I don't want anyone to to come up and and confront me about my sinfulness. I don't want that. Are you with me? That's true. But when Jesus came into this world, that's what he did. He identified. Why did the religious leaders just reject him? Because he identified their self-righteousness was actually a corruption in them. You know, people in the church, man, is that what's happening in us? You know, we begin to talk about Jesus, his righteousness, and yet we don't want our hidden sins to be identified. So the light turns on, we become like roaches, and we hide. See, the reason the world rejects Jesus is because he is the light. And the reason that we would be hated is because we are to bear that light speak that truth live that truth and and the question is are we willing to live that truth not willing to to be hated and go out and be hated oh I want to be hated are we willing to just bear that truth that could cause us to be rejected to be persecuted that's a tough question that's a tough question why is it sometimes we haven't shared the gospel with someone? You know, you get that thought in your mind, man, I wonder if they know Jesus. And, and, and you still keep putting it off. Or wh- why? Why do you do that? Is it, po- is it just the possibility that you might be rejected? Or that you might be, end up being mocked or, or ostracized or you know, treated different by everybody else because you're sharing Christ with someone? Oh man, in this world you will be hated if you live that light. It's interesting that in this passage Jesus prays for protection for those who are going to live that light. He he, he prays for protection, verse 11 and verse 15. He also combines that prayer with the end result is, is unity. Somehow unity has something to do with protection. It's being together. It, it's working together. It's, it's being a, a force in this world. And matter of fact, even that unity itself being part of our message, what unifies us together. But he, he calls for us to be protected. He says in verse 15, uh, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Well, his prayer wasn't very effective for his disciples, was it? I mean, they went into the world and they preached, but they ended up martyrs. They ended up martyrs. Well, if you go through the book of Acts, they ended up in prison a couple times. They ended up beaten, sometimes miraculously released out of difficult situations. So very much God was involved. We we got to be careful. We we begin to think when anything bad happen, happens to us is oh God disfavors us all of a sudden, but that's not true. You see, this world is not my home. Let's say it again: this world is not my home. I don't belong here. That I have a destiny and a purpose and an eternal home. That that that's home. That it, my home is with Him, and it is going to be with Him someday when this world is done. Now there is no way that Satan is going to affect that promise and that direction that we are taking. Do, you, do we understand that? There is no way that, that if, if we have received that salvation through Jesus, that, that Satan in no way is going to remove that from us. We could, we could turn our backs on it. I mean, we could make that choice. But, but it will not be taken away from us. We, we could put our confidence in what Jesus has done f- uh, for us always. We could always do that. Um, I want to I end with this and fi- because there's this final place, and I think it's significant in that verse 15 we just read. And, and it's this fact that, okay, we are, we are separated from this world, we're hated by this world, but we're also, uh, lastly, sent into this world. This is a point that that really is obvious throughout, especially in the thought of this that Jesus prayed, hey, God, don't take them out of this world. In verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of this world. Uh, The thought is there, isn't it? Uh, There's part of this thinking. They are ready to go home right now in Christ. they're, They're identifying, they're believing in Jesus. Don't take them home. As I go home, don't take them home with me. Leave them here. That's part of the thought. They're ready to go home. I believe in Jesus when we are sanctified, we're ready to go home. We're prepared. There's nothing else we need to add for our preparation except Jesus. I want us to understand that. We're ready to go home now. But why do we stay? Why did Jesus actually pray and say, hey, leave them here? Except for this fact, they are going to be continued. Uh, they're going to continue to bear that light in this world. The mission that Jesus was sent on to bear light in this or to bring light into this world is his disciples are going to continue to shine uh, throughout Acts. We see it, and throughout history we see it, and today in his people that light is to continue to be shining in this world. For this fact, there are others who need to know Jesus. That's our responsibility. That's our call. I, I will tell you that right now, it's in the bulletin. I won't make this another announcement. But we're, we're doing this survey. And, and as the leadership, there, there's been just some, how can we do this better? How can we do this better as a church together in winning our community? And, and so we've asked them questions. We know what the, the, the scriptures have called us to do. Jesus has left us with this commission. He's left us with this purpose, and the leadership knows this. And, and so we're looking at our congregation, and, and our big question is, where are our strengths? How can we identify the strengths of, of what we could do as a church in this community to, to win this community around us? And therefore, that's the significance of the survey that they prepared, and, and we've encouraged you. How many of you have taken the survey so far? Oh, wow. I, I, want you, I want you to please, please make your best effort. We have like a week, a little less than two weeks right now to, to, to go and, and, and fill that survey out. It, it's going to help us to identify. Probably take 20 minutes. Uh, but if, if you're able to, is that right? About 20 minutes, would you say? You know everything. I always go to you for all the facts, and, and then you do this. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, so, so I think about 20, 20 minutes is what I did in looking it over. So uh, go online if you have trouble. I've had a, a word here recently, someone had trouble you know, not being able to do that. We have paper. I, if, if you're unable to do it there, please take a survey home, fill it out, and, and do it that way. Uh, but I want you to know there's a purpose behind this. Because we as a church want to do this well. We want to do it effectively. And we want to leverage the giftedness that God has laid on this congregation. We believe this, this survey is going to help us to identify those things. Are you with me? Okay, next week when I say, how many of you have done that? I want well over half of you going, woo! We're on the way of doing good things. Uh, of, of of man is part of it. Definitely, a, a huge part of that is what God has called us to. A huge part of it is prayer, and and then it just engaging these elders to help us to identify uh, some things, and and then pray for our elders. Would you please pray for our elders in this this great purpose that we have set before us? Listen, we are in this world but not of it. Actually. We're separated from this world because this world is darkness and we are brought into the light of Jesus. If he is our Savior, you are that light. And because of that light, and and you're bold, so bold to live it before men, uh, oh man, you're going to be rejected, you're going to be hated uh, around in this world. Be prepared for that. Uh, There is glory waiting for us ahead. And also know this, that it's not just we, we're, we're not of this world, we're of this world, but not in this world. The truth is we're sent into this world. We're commissioned, we're missioned to serve His purpose in this world. We have a responsibility, we have a job, and we want to do that well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, man, we have an opportunity from a Savior who gave His life up for us to live for Him to represent his kingdom, and to shake up Junction City for his behalf. And not just Junction City, but the world around us, right? I'm going to invite the team to come forward for our invitation this morning. And uh, during this invitation, uh, if if you are are being challenged by his word, again, I'm going to encourage you to read that chapter 17. If you're being challenged by his word, if, if there has been that tug upon your heart, Uh, To to make maybe that initial first step for him, or to come to him in repentance. Uh, This is a time uh, I I encourage you to do that. You might step forward and and let me know maybe that first time uh, receiving Christ, or I I would be glad to pray with you if if there's some repenting you need to do, or share that with someone else. Would you please? Don't hold that to yourself. Share that with someone else who's going to hold you accountable, that's going to pray with you and help you walk in this life. So I just encourage you to do that. Let's all stand. And if you have a need this morning, you want to indicate that, please come forward.